0: Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. And all that winners is
1: gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Super Coach All-Stars Podcast. This week, this is our uh, third pre-season preview podcast for the 2019 season. And we've got a special guest on today, uh, the 2015 overall super coach winner, Dave Von Cotts, also known as VK. VK, first time on the pod, mate. Welcome aboard.
0: Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. And um, I was uh, the, the 2014 winner there. We go on Mary blowing up. Ah, oh, always get you and Mary
1: confused? <laughs> you look so alike. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, uh, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the first two podcasts have been absolute crackers, listening to three of the greatest, most glorious super coach nerds I know. It uh, <laughs> just makes me realise how little I know when I hear you guys talking, but it's definitely getting the buzz on and getting me excited for the season.
1: Good stuff. I, I can't believe it's been five years since your crowning glory, mate. It's five hey, years. Talk about, in
0: June. On. <laughs> 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 talk about hanging on and getting everything out of it. Yeah, I'm loving it.
1: So you're, you're pretty keen for the season. Obviously, he's another rooster. You're, you're probably pretty keen for the um for the real footy and also the fantasy stuff as well at this point. Getting a bit itchy.
0: Yeah, always keen. Um, uh, To be honest, just from the, the super coach side of things, I don't think I've been this keen for a while. I'm absolutely frothing. I think, uh, I think <laughs> maybe because i was sort of a bit out of action by the end of last season there. So to get back in, yeah, ready to rock. And then obviously... Coming off, as all the chat that always comes. Uh, Will the Roosters go back to back? But, you know, it hasn't eventuated since 1992. But if ever they got the team, it's probably this one.
1: Yeah, I reckon that we got a good shot at it. And um, that's probably a pretty good lead in there. It's almost like you're professional
0: at this, mate. We've
1: got our first team up as the Sydney Roosters. Uh, My team that I support and also your team. So we can have a really good bias chat about them. To talk about with the Roosters is their ins and outs though for the 2019 season, and quite a bit more than what me and you are probably used to seeing with our side. The um, the ins Angus Crichton is the biggest one. Uh, He's obviously a huge signing from the Rabbitohs. Ryan Hall uh, is a decent signing, but obviously he's done his ACL and he's probably going to be out at least the first couple months of the season. Brett Morris, I actually thought, was a good backup signing for us. Uh he's fine to start on the end of our back line. I reckon he'll do well. And Brock Lamb came over from the Knights as well. So decent signings for the Roosters. However, kind of masks that we probably lost more than what people realise. Uh, so big-name big players, Blake Ferguson, gone to the Eels. Uh, Ryan Madison, obviously, gone over to the Tigers now. And Big Papa, Dylan Napa, over to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Good timing for him to leave. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you're definitely not going to get a big, uh, bigger fan of Angus Crichton than myself. Napa, even though, like, from a super coach point of view, hasn't really ever been relevant, the way he can change a game when he comes on and just pretty much puts his head through <laughs> someone and just changes is one of those bone-crunching tackles. Like, obviously, he spent a bit of time on the sideline, which didn't help you know, with those suspensions. But I think Fergo's a massive loss as well. I, I know you won't need any convincing over that. He's one of your favourites. And with Mod sort of getting on in age, I just don't know if he's got the... Um, how good was Fergo getting us out of trouble? And uh, obviously that um, that had an effect on his supercoach scores as well. So I just don't know. That's a huge loss, basically, in that wing. But to, to get a uh, Crichton in there... Um, yeah, I think that's a great
1: result. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for Crichton. So why don't we start off by talking about him. He leads our list of three guns in this Roosters side that are really super coach relevant. Crichton obviously is coming over from the Rabbitohs. He's our most expensive signing for the year as well. Jeezy's been a good player over the last couple of years. He's going to come in at a cost of 646000 So he's going to be expensive. But... In 2017 and 2018, he averaged 69 points per game in both seasons. Fantastic effort. Last year, his PPM was at 0.87, and the year before, it was at 0.97 and 0.89 the year before. So he's pretty much uh, an average over the last three is of a 0.93, which for an 80-minute back rower is pretty good. Um, And I think probably for myself, the things that I like about him the most are He's got a really good work rate for an edge back rower. Um, normally you want the guys that are in the middle because their runs and tackles are so high and their work rate's so fantastic for their base stats. But Crichton does that as well. And on top of that, he's obviously got the attacking prowess of a great attacking edge back rower. So you see a lot of the TBs and the offloads and also some line breaks and tries. Interestingly though, he didn't actually score that many tries last year. Um, so a lot of people sort of see him as a, a big try-scorer, but he didn't really score that many, so I sort of think, see a bit of upside. He's actually in my team at the moment, uh, and I'm pretty loath to leave him out. Have you got him in there at, in your team, VK, and you pretty happy to start the season with him?
0: I uh, would be very happy to start the season with him, but looking at my side, I've currently gone with Tal Malolo instead, and my reasoning behind that, which, to be honest, I don't think I'm going to be able to hold, once the season starts, is that um, I'll just get that little bit of coverage for around twelve, and I've just never usually start with Malolo The thing is, though, with uh, Crichton and, and why I, I'm really struggling to leave him out. I, I did a little bit of research just to and just to tack onto what you said there. So in the last two years, thirty-eight games where he's played seventy minutes or more, um, he's only scored under fifty three times, and he's got a thirty eight game average of seventy two. <laughs> now that was that was with only those three tries last year. So when he's running off when he's running off cronk, who knows what can happen. And I just don't think it's worth the mental stress of me not leaving, sorry, leaving out Crichton like a rooster and just not indeed being filthy when he scores. Because I, I can just see them coming this year.
1: Yeah, I can as well, and I mean I think the biggest thing for me, I was really surprised because like a lot of people, I kind of thought, you know, he's a he's a great attacking weapon. He he scored would have scored seven or eight tries last season for sure. He only scored three. And like the only way is up. Um coming into the Roosters side, I agree running off Kronk, he's gonna love it. And when you look at what Kronk's done to the careers of Harris, Felice Cafusi more recently as well he's turned them into attacking guns on the edge, and they're nowhere near as talented as what Crichton is as a line runner and as a player. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, The other thing as well, aside from having Kronk there, is you've also got Teddy, who's become a pretty good ball player as well. Um, And realistically, the Rooster side is one of the top sides in the comp. So I... Also, was talking today, and one of the things that Billy actually brought up when I was chatting to him, because he loves his stats and stuff, um, he was talking about the fact that Crichton he was used so much as a decoy runner at the at the Rabbits last year, and Wilfred was actually lamenting that as well, how many times he actually was running off Reynolds and then got used as a decoy to go out the back to their back line. And I actually made the comment. I, I don't think that's going to happen as much with us because when we've got these attacking weapons like him, and you've seen the coordinator in years past with Pierce, we tend to Robbo's really good as a coach. He tends to hit them. He doesn't want to use those guys as decoys that much. So I kind of see him getting not not more work and more runs, but probably more quality ball and more quality positioning at the Roosters than what he maybe got at the Rams. Look, you're not
0: making this much easier for me, are you? My decision here. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, about that. <laughs> I think that's just spot on and I just even if you look to a lesser extent what Cronk did with Madison playing on the right to start last season I just um, yeah I'm really struggling with this one and I'm, yeah I, I basically think you're spot on
1: yeah I, I um to put it in perspective and I play devil's advocate and you'll be a good barometer to tell me if I'm crazy or not I've got Crichton in but to do it um, because I wanted to make sure I stacked my back row and that's sort of what I'm going for this year I've actually left Jerbo out. So it's basically been a Jerbo or Crichton situation. I left Jerbo out to have Crichton. They're, the, they're both quite expensive players, obviously more expensive than any other Fords that I've got. So I've gone the slightly cheaper guy in Crichton. Um, so I'm going to save money there, I figured uh, around about 60 grand or so I'm, I'm saving on uh, Gerbo to Crichton. And the other thing that I figured too is Gerbo's looking like he's going to project at about 40% ownership, whereas Crichton's going to be in, in in pod territory or pretty close to it. And the Roosters' draw is probably good to bring up now because it was one of the things that sold me on him. So the draw's not the best, but it's, it's got some really good points at the start. So South's first up, um, I actually think that they might struggle initially with uh, Wayne coming over as a new coach. They're not going to have GI for the first couple of weeks at least as well. It's really round two and three. If you want to start big, having round two against Manly and Round 3 against Parramatta, those two forward packs, especially on the edges, are going to gift points. Uh, so I just looked at it and just went, you know what? I reckon for that first month at least, Crichton's going to outdo Gerbo and it's going to put me ahead of the pack quite
0: significantly and that's why I'd be the bullet and went, you know what, I'm just going for Crichton. Look, I think whether or not he outdoes him, I don't think he'll be doing it either way by far. You know, I don't think each player will set up that bigger spread. But what you will be getting there, I guess, is, is the pot advantage because what Gerbo offers, and I guess I notice it more because I haven't started the last two seasons with him. I've just had rocks in my head. And um, I know I heard on the last pod you didn't start with him last season. He just offers that ability to actually create tries as well. So where Crichton's basically like a bat, uh, base stats player, and then he hits a beautiful hole, you don't like... I think where Gerbo just offers that extra, at times, a ball play, especially linking up with Tommy in the middle there. So, yeah, it's, it's a tight one, that one, but you're definitely saving money and, and getting a pot option there. But I think even after the first five rounds, I don't think the spread will be too big on them.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's really one of the big advantages that you want to hit in round one, isn't it? If you can save money to get the same points out of someone, uh, I think that's what you want to kind of aim for. Um, so that's that's my take on Crichton. Anyway, um, I, I'm not a big Tom Lolo fan, but we'll talk about that a bit later. <laughs> but are you uh, are you getting convinced on
0: changing the Crichton before we move on? No, as I said, look, looking at round twelve, and round twelve just looks disgusting. And I know, um, I thought. Falling a bit shorter trades last year, but I had a, a lot more than I thought I was going to have towards the end. Almost too much choice with my final team. I, a lot of the times I left reserves out, that scored really well, you know, because I, I had 21, almost 22 players to pick from. But I just think where I'm getting to with that is I just think round 12 is going to be horrific. But odds are by then, if you've got either of these two anyway, uh, when I say Gerbo or Crichton, Odds are you've usually worked and got Tal Malolo by then anyway, but uh, I'm just trying to have a look, because I'm starting with Teddy and Turbo. Cleary could find his way in there now. Just uh, I just don't want to be left too far short. I think I've just got to find maybe some other way to get Crichton in. Yeah, that's fair
1: enough, mate. I mean, it's, um, it's definitely not like it's a must-have. I guess to finish up on him to play devil's advocate, um, he is going to be in a new team. So he is going to have that adjustment to make as well. Um, so I guess some people might be a little bit standoffish because of that. Um, for me, I don't think forwards need to fit into a system that much anyway. So I'm never really that perturbed by it. But to finish off on him, last season, I always like to look at the the final run of games because I think it's a decent indicator as to the form that they might bring into this year. But also because you got all that origin stuff and the buys in the middle, so it really screws up a lot of the scores in the middle of the season. And then you've got guys that can start slow as well. His last eight games, he averaged 75 points. Um, and he did that yeah. with only one game. His lowest score was 53 with his highest 94. And he only had two games out of that eight that were below 70 points, aside from the 69, which I'm going to count as 70. So, you know... Six out of eight games he finished on at 70-plus. Um, it's it's re- very reliable, so I, I'm pretty happy with him at the moment. Um, I'm happy to plug him, but you know there is always risk anyway with a new team, so we'll see how he goes. Um, let's move on to the next gun, though. Uh, this one's going to be fairly <laughs> self-explanatory and a lot more teams than what Crichton is. James Tedesco started off last year a little bit slow, scared a few people off. I, I can't even think... Numbers wise, on how many blokes that I was talking to online that I was talking away from the ledge, saying "Don't trade Teddy after a few games. Like just, just wait. You'll be fine." You know, uh, and so many people did it anyway. But he ended up averaging seventy four um, in twenty eighteen. He's two years before he was sixty eight and seventy. So I mean, the guys that were all worried about his start and he wasn't going to be as good and whatever. He ended up averaging the best score that he has in the last three seasons and equaling his 2015 year of 74 points a game. So he was just going great guns. And it makes it all the more impressive when you look at it that he did start slow and he still managed to have a 74 average um, across the season. So pretty crazy stats I'm going to throw at you here, VK. He obviously started off pretty slow in the first half. Between around 19 and 26, Tedesco averaged 96 points. That's... That's crazy. Like, he's, he's got to be, if not the number one option, then at least in the top couple of options to start the year. I couldn't agree with you
0: more. Um, I still maintain that it's going to be him or Turbo that are the first to crack 200 points. You know, we look, and I only noticed it a bit more because I captained him for a few of the first games early on in the season and then threw that out the window. But we say that he was a bit slow to start the season. He still averaged 66 up to origin. Yep. So, so that's still pretty awesome for, for a slow start. And then as you, you threw out those numbers of his post-origin that's where he had the three tons there, it was almost like, and it happened with Latrell as well, I found. It was like almost around origin time, it was, okay, I can't play in this structure. He almost found where he had to pop up and he sort of played off the cuff a little bit more and was sort of, in the right place at the right time. And I think you're going to be starting the season straight with that Teddy. Or if not, it's going to happen a lot quicker than, say, post-Origin to you getting those scores. So I just, I can't see how he's not um, the, 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 the most-owned player at the moment.
1: Yeah, especially for that round two and round three. Round three against Para, I'd probably just throw the seed straight on him. And that's that's pretty nice to have that type of confidence to be able to have that guy on your team in round three early on. So I'm throwing C on there. And I, I don't think that there's any way that I'm going to get a bad score out of it. And I'm, I'm also going to be pretty confident I can get a ton out of it as well. So yeah, that, that first that first month, I could see him averaging 80, 85 points pretty comfortably. Um, and I reckon that's a great start. When you're looking at it, um, VK, I've said to a lot of guys, I've looked at their teams and stuff online. And they've asked for advice and whatever on groups. And I've seen teams that don't have Teddy or Turbo and the first thing that I've said to them is you've got to have one of them. You know, Fair enough if you don't want to spend on both, but you, you've got to have either Teddy or Turbo in there to, to start off competitively and not be behind for mine. Um, do you kind of agree with that? And, and which one of the two would you lean
0: towards? Oh, look, firstly, I 100% agree with you. You've got to have at least one of them. But I feel there's, there's a few other positions this year that maybe you can attempt to get a little bit crafty, I don't think fullback is that position. I didn't own Turbo at all last year, and just sitting and watching him do that 190 odd that was just, that was just <laughs> so horrific. He got he got two scores over 150 or something, didn't he? he? Just he just he'll still be the focal point of the Seagulls' attack. Like they they're not going to change much there. And then going by what we've just talked about with Teddy, like. Um, I'll definitely be starting with both. That's one thing I'm not going to be swayed on whatsoever. But definitely with you, and you, you, you've got to start with one of them. And then what I would say would get Teddy over the line, and I'm trying not to look through Rooster's glasses here, is that start. And even though they've only got two of their first or well, six or whatever at home, the fact that they've got the Bunnies, Manly, and, and then Parrot that he just tore apart last time in round three, so I'd probably lean towards Teddy. It's just such a tight battle. And as you said, as long as you've got one of them, I think uh, you're going to be on the dance floor.
1: Yep, 100% agree. And the, the last point I'll probably make to plug Teddy um, is, I don't think you can go wrong with him anyway, so you're never going to make a mistake starting him. But the new try contribution step um, caused a little bit of controversy around the traps because it is going to be quite different. Uh, Teddy seems like the sort of player that's going to be built to get points from that stat because he kind of ticks all the boxes. He's a superstar, so he's going to attract the attention and probably get some points here and there that maybe some of the lesser players won't. Let's call that the you know the cam with unicorn points. Teddy's going to attract those probably with the try contribution And he's always involved in the Roosters' attack when they're scoring points or making breaks. And a lot of the time when he is, he's not necessarily getting rewarded for that under the old scoring system. It seems like that he's going to pick up, you know, maybe an easy three or four points a game just from the new try contributions. That bearing in mind the Roosters are going to maybe score a lot of points as well.
0: Yeah, look, that's true. But I just hope the, the scorers don't just get a a little bit loose with that try contribution and take off uh, what in the past they've they've given the try assist for. He, he was probably a little bit lucky last year and did get the. I guess, questionable try assists or the 50 uh, 50s the line ones, but I just hope, um, you know, with the introduction of that new rule, they're not just throwing them out willy-nilly and they don't follow, I guess, the same criteria they've used for the try. That's over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's a really valid point, actually. Uh, and to be honest, it's been one of my questions too because obviously up to five players can get points for a try contribution in one play. Um, I, I really don't know whether... That means that you know, most of the time it's going to be three guys getting the try contribution and, and five's going to be an anomaly, or it's mainly going to be one or two players, and more than that, we're not going to see much. Like I just don't know how far spread it's going to be or how much they are going to look at it, so can't go wrong with Teddy, um, but the next and final gun that we'll move on to for the Roosters is, uh, I won't say more controversial, because uh, a lot of guys are going to have him, but... Croydon and Teddy are probably two really dependable guns that you can't really get bad scores from. But well, Mitchell's a little bit polarising. Um, he finished off the season uh, as one of the best set of options that you could have, so he, he did really well. Uh, he's still only a young bloke, so I'm kind of expecting him to step up again. From when he made his debut in 2016, he averaged 43 points, and in 17 he went up to 54 points a game, and then in 2018 he averaged 64 points a game, so... He's got the perfect trajectory to keep going up, um, and that's what you kind of want to see. He's only just turned 21 years old recently, so he's still pretty young. And he is going to retain the goal kicking for the entire year, um, which gives him a nice floor. So he's actually in my team at the moment, VK. I've decided to go with the one-gun rest cheapies. Possibly I'll go two-guns rest cheapies, but he's my number one anchor, foundation in my center wing. And my reasoning for it was just because I think that he can actually do better than he did in 2018, um, and the goal kicking floor I really like, and I've sort of decided in the back of my head, uh, any centre wings that I'm going to throw in early, I wanted to have goal kicking in there. But obviously, Devil's Advocate, his work rate and laziness um, comes into it. He's one of the one of the Heart Attack Brigade captains who will, I guess, have the you know the 10 point first half, and people will be worried, and then. In the last 15 minutes, he pulls out 60 points or whatever. Are you, are you worried about him? Do you have him in
0: your team? Do you think
1: that he's a, he's a good anchor for the centre wing or you're right off him?
0: I am um, to start the season. Um, I'm going to roll the dice and not put him in. I, uh, 600K is just a fair bit for me. I know, you know all the prices have gone up, but 600K is a lot for me to spend on a centre. Yep. And, you know, 31% of people players have him in their team at the moment so you know it's a great gamble and I guess what I'm hoping is he just maybe he's been in a good paddock in the off season and just comes back (laughs) a little bit slow um I took a little bit of a snapshot just of the last five games and even though he averaged great in those games it was it it was the base that that just made me think why if he can start the season slow and just you know not get the tries then I can pick him up for a a huge discount and he's definitely going to be in my top four. It's just trying to get him at the right price and looking at the last five games, you know, you you look at the, like, your mate Fergo, he he had 69 runs over eight metres as we talked about before those get sets and everything. Latrell had 12 runs over eight metres in the last five games. So while the goal kicking is obviously also a huge bonus, I guess I'm just hoping for Um, a run of low scores like he has been capable of in the past um, and then try and pick him up at a better price.
1: Yeah, that's really fair Um, and it does give pause to think about maybe going somewhere else. I mean, I guess looking at how he kind of finished the year, you can really see it Um, when you read down the numbers of his last sort of eight games. It's, you know, 129 points, 113 points, 75 points and then he hits his 52, 32, and 20, but then he throws out 148 points against Parramatta. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, you just, you look at those low scores and you go, yep, that's why I can't do it. But then it's sort of a conundrum because it's like, well, you know, can I wear a 32 and a 20 if I bookmark it, you know, with a couple of tons there, you know, and 148 points is a lot of points. You know, he's got three tons out of those um, last seven games that he played in the season but he's obviously got two stinkers too, and that's probably Luttrell to a T. That's probably a good snapshot of, of what he's going to give you, I guess. Um, so it, it is a bit of a tough one. I mean, if you're not going to start with the and you send a win, who's sort of some ultimates or, or some guys that you are looking at instead that are less than 600k? Um, well,
0: I'm going less than 600 because... Uh, sorry, well less than 600. I'm, uh, I'm actually, at this point in time, um, I'm... Um, I'm sort of leaning towards uh, Bateman, but uh, there, there's just so much grey area um, in regard at the moment. You know, whether or not he gets that starting spot. But if he does, I'll probably just go th- uh, there. You guys also um, brought up some great points about Mahe Fanua. That's sort of uh, I'm sort of drinking that Kool Aid a little bit now, especially if he's at left center and yes. then. Um, I think it's also gonna be a hit back here from Gutho. Just, um, we've seen with RTS in the past and a few of those other guys, their first year back from the major knee uh, surgery. Um, it, t- it takes a little while to get that confidence and just get the body back in working order. But I think we're gonna see a little bit of a hit back here from Gutho. But um, just, you know, I, can't, I I wouldn't blame anyone if you're looking at some of the stats with Luttrell. You're looking... <laughs> As we said, how he starts the season. Against the Bunnies, he played them twice last year, averaged 65. Manly is where he got that 129, so he averaged 40, uh, 84. And para he got 148. So the next three, the Bronx, he got 35. Sharks, 39. And Storm, 22. So as if he's not the new supercoach coaster.
1: <laughs> I reckon that he is, but... Maybe, I mean, if you could just get a little bit more consistency. Um, I know what you're saying about his base stats, but because he's a kicker, I kind of go, well, yeah, I'm going to just include his kicking in his base stats because it's going to be there every week sort of thing and sort of replaces some of his runs and tackles, I guess. Um, But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's probably one of the more volatile guns um, to start the year with, I guess. So, interesting to see. I guess he's one of those guys too because I'm a rooster. I really... Kind of like what you mentioned earlier with watching Crichton and not owning him. Latrell can just go so massive on some of those runs where he just throws out like five fins and makes a line break and scores a try. I just,
0: I want to be able to celebrate that without crying, you know. So I might have to just keep it in. Uh, I've got a bit of an embarrassing confession. It was about midway through the year last year. I looked across at my mate and I said, like, he'd done nothing. And I said, I'm selling Latrell. I'm sorry, and it was that trial. I think I don't know if it was against Manley or whatever, where he did exactly like that, armed off five blows, dove from about three meters out, and just did the most incredible put down. And I just shook my head and said, nah, you can't." Like you, you just got to, you got to ride the way the, the, the Latrell wave, don't you? Yeah.
1: If you if you do jump on, I think you just got to stick with him. Um, so that's that's all our that guns for the Roosters. But we've got a fallen gun to quickly touch on as well. One of my favourite players at the Roosters the last few years has been Boyd Cordner, and obviously you've got the captaincy of the Blues as well, so he's been going great guns the last four or five years. He had a uh, career low for Super Coach purposes. Only 56 points last year he was scoring per game, compared to his 63 and 70 the two years before. And even in 2015, when he was kind of just coming into his own, he still scored 57 points. Um, I did expect him to be more around that 65 mark, he is a bit interesting. He is obviously going to play Origins, so that's a bit of a concern. But he's only 520000 which is quite cheap. And he is, for the same reasons as Crichton, um, looking at potentially opening up the edges of, say, Manly and power to an even more of an extent in those coming first rounds. He seems to be over his um, injuries as well. In 2016, he only played 12 games, and in 17, he only had 16. But he played a full 20-game slate in 2018, so he didn't miss too many. Uh, I don't have him in my team. I don't think I can do it because he seemed to have started being a little bit too meat and potatoes for mine. Having said that, I, I can you know see people justifying paying 520K for him and thinking he might even be even up to 10 points
0: underpriced from where he should be. Yeah, um, we-
1: I guess there was always
0: that, that, that was in about what 2013 and 14, where he just he was had that great season running off Maloney. But as you said, he's just become that meat and potatoes. And he's fantastic from an NRL perspective. But just yeah, looking at these games from last year, the, the games where he got 70 plus minutes, like he only got over 68 over out eight out of 20 games. Yep. So that, inc- that inconsistency, I think that gamble is just, um, I don't think it's worth taking, especially in such a position where I feel you can just spend spend the money on some guns that are going to give you you know, a lot more consistent scores.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think you can go there, but he is an interesting one. I, I am going to make the call, though. I don't think next year when we're talking about him, he'll be a 4 gun. I reckon he'll be a gun again. I think he'll average 60-plus. Um, and I, I reckon he's definitely going to do that. But, yeah, I, I agree. It's just going to be too hard just to go for it. I think he was um, carrying injuries a lot of last year, and that really affected his scoring. So it's probably not a good gauge. I could see him you know, definitely averaging 60s. But, yeah, can't take that punch for round, round one with all the the great uh, second-row guns that are around. But let's talk about another bloke that's in the pack that is starting off our marvellous mids discussion. The Roosters have got a a couple of really, really good mids that people are are looking at pretty closely. The first one is Victor Radley. He obviously uh, really made it his own last year, getting that starting gig in the pack. Uh, Went from being a bench utility type of player into being a, a really good back rower for us. He only averaged 43 a game because obviously he started off um, not playing that many minutes, and then gradually that increased. He did 43, games in 44 minutes. I guess the prevailing thought is he's only 400 grand. He's a dual hooker, second rower. Uh, so I can see why he's um, really popular. If you have a look at the sort of career progression through last year, in the first 10 rounds, he averaged 31 points. Uh, then round 11 to 18, he averaged 49. And then round 19 to 26, he averaged 53 he does look like he's a you know a maybe 9 to 10 points underpriced. Um, I guess I don't have him in my side, and I've actually said to people I think he's a little bit of a trap. So I'm going to be really interested in your take uh, because I'm looking at Roosters' rotation as a fan that watches it quite a bit. And in the grand final, um, he only played 50-odd minutes. Um, and I think that uh, Isaac Liu played 36. And that's always going to be the issue, and it's going to be, again... For mine, Liu's is a really important part of that forward rotation and Cordner and Crichton are 80-minute back rowers and what Liu was doing was going in and playing some lock and then also even playing a bit of prop um, to be a a, a complete middle forward. So Radley was um, going off for some of that. I can't really see where Radley's going to get those extra minutes from because I don't see Liu losing any minutes. And I don't really see any way around Radley getting more than 55 minutes. And, you know, maybe 55 is enough, VK. But, you know, if he, if he does 50 minutes, I'd be pretty worried, to be honest.
0: Um, I guess what, what I've looked at with Radley is not as a full-season prospect. And the reason that I was sort of really keen is I'm actually I'm starting, I'll, we'll get to it when we cover the storm a bit later, I'm going with the Smith option and leaving Cook but Cook is my number one priority. And the reason I bring it up is to go from 4,000 to, say, maybe between six and 700,000 that I'm imagining I'll need for Cook, that's a lot less of a gap than if I'm going someone like Kirk Mann, who I've got there at the moment, or a Wade Egan. Yep. So I guess the reason I'm bringing that up is because if we look at the games where you've got 50 minutes or more, um, he had a nine-game average of 53. So even that 10 points more a game average, there's, there's nearly 100K to be made, which is going to bridge that gap. And just looking at him last year, they, they ran like Teddy combined with him well, and he actually had a few attacking stats. That's three tries, um, seven line break assists, three line breaks, and four TAs. So we've talked about that that early uh, the early draw if I can just if he can get amongst a few of those stats early I can really just see uh, the benefit in getting on in making that 100k and then upgrading rather than just someone like the grey area of having man or something in the hooker or a Wade Egan who are going to play maybe 20-30 minutes
1: yeah that's a really interesting point looking at him as a more short term prospect I know but most people I've spoken to are looking to him as more of a long-term guy, um, and I just don't think he can get anywhere near gun status. That might be a smart move, VK. Okay? You might be turning me on Radley, um, looking at him for sort of the first seven or eight weeks and then turning him into someone else. That might um, that might be good because the Roosters do have the round 12 bye, so you can turn him into someone who's... Um, yeah, well, you can go, obviously, to cook. Guys that have got him in the second round, I mean... You've got him in at hooker. Would you consider putting him in, in the stack second row? Because that's the other problem that I see. There's so many good second row options. You know, I, I don't know if I could put him there. Um, agreed. It also
0: just depends on whether or not pre season form tells us that either man's going to get more minutes or Wade Egan or someone um, that, that, that we uh, use one of these cheapies in, in the hooker position, are, are going to get the extra minutes there.
1: Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. You might be swaying me a little bit. I'm starting to think
0: about it a little bit. Um, how many minutes do you reckon that he's going to be seen? Well, that's just it. Um, I'm, I'll be watching the Challenge Cup, but even that's a guide I felt big time about three years ago watching the biggest trap of the year. Kane Evans go around and he got big minutes and got us going <laughs> up the with money in the bank, and then he was the biggest trap of the year. So, look... Uh, Radley seems like a bit of a different animal, you know, just because of those attacking stats. If he gets these, the, the 50 minutes, it's uh, something you could maybe even sit back and have a look for the first couple of weeks and just see if he gets that minute and then make the trade then. But so often we say, oh, we'll look at the first couple of weeks and make the trade, then all of a sudden there's eight trades to make two. too. Yep. So um, I guess a bit of... Uh, Watching the, the the trials, a bit of pre-season form, and then just, I think, but just looking at that as a guy, if he does get that 50 minutes a game, looking at his past pass, that there appears as if there could be 100k ready to make. Yeah, I, th- I
1: think that he will probably be at 50. I just don't see him at, at 55 plus at all. And I think that's where the real, like, that's where people really want him to be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I don't think it's as cut, it's as cut and dried as what a lot of people think it is. Looking at him as 400 k um, starting lock forward. I I don't think it's that straightforward. So it's, yeah, I I might hold off on him, I think. I think I'm going to watch him the first couple of weeks. But you really brought up nightmares for me as well, because I fell into that Kane Evans trap as well, mate. And I don't know, I don't know if you recall in the groups and stuff, but. I was disagreeing with everybody about Kane Evans and saying, look guys, I'm a Roosters fan, I've watched this kid his whole life, we've had him for like eight years, he's lazy, he gives away penalties left and right, he's not going to do any work, he's going to suck you in and he's going to look fantastic and he's going to start offloading and barnstorming runs and you're going to think he's good and then he's going to do stuff all for three weeks. And... I actually just gave in to the avalanche of smart guys that were getting, you know, went, you know what, I'm just going to do it, fine. I'll get Kane Evans, I'm on board. And then obviously he stuck it up. So that, that one really stuck. So <laughs>
0: thanks for oh, bringing that up, There's mate. always at least one or two every year, the big pre-season form, and the mid It's always a mid-priser, and then a lot.
1: All right, let's move on from that tragedy. Um, let's talk about our last marvellous to to have a quick look at. Uh, Joseph Manu went really well towards the back end of last year and really came into his own. He comes in priced at only 410000 so he is a fairly cheap center wing option. Um, he averaged 44 points a game, which wasn't fantastic. 41 average a year before, but he's a little bit misleading on his 44 average. Uh, his round 19 to 26 run, he threw up a 65 average. And that's what a lot of smart coaches are looking at. Um, That 19 to 26 round run at 65 points puts him in really good uh, keeper status. Um, I mean, he really, in centre wing BK last year, we were looking at 55 plus as probably being a gun as opposed to 60 plus because it's just such a barren wasteland. So if you've got someone that's doing 65, he's one of the top players in the game, really, for your centre wing spots. My concern with him is whilst... I saw a lot from him, and he's really progressed really well. Um, round 11 to 18, he averaged 38 points, and round 1 to 10, he only averaged 32. His base stats were really poor, and he wasn't really getting a lot of attack. Um, he was making a few errors as well here and there, and Robo was into him a little bit about his defense, especially early on. Do you think that we're going to see the 65-point a game, Joseph Marnie, to kick off the year, or do you think we're going to see the guy that's in the 30s?
0: The thing, I think, we, you talked about the, we've talked, mentioned it twice, the final seven-game average of these guys last season, but that's just when the Roosters absolutely sort of hit their straps and went next level. There weren't too many Roosters that didn't kill it in the last seven games. I think, also watching him, though, in the finals, he was he, he was outstanding. He went to another, I feel like he went to another level there. The thing that sort of um, has me a little bit worried is that there are so many attacking weapons and structures in the Roosters at the moment. So yes. I just, I, I don't know whether or not he's going to get you know, the opportunity when they've got say Latrell, on, on, the, on the left.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really fair. and It's something that I've brought up with a few guys that are interested in Manu when I've been talking about him. I, I love him in real life probably more than what I do in Supercoach, um, and that's one of the reasons. Oh, I agree 100%. I just see them. But there's only one ball, and it can only go around so many times, and they're going to give it to half a dozen guys before they give it to Joey Manu, and they're not really going to, do any plays for Joey Mano either? He's sort of going to be playing off the back of what other guys are doing, which he did really well last year to his credit. But I'm um, I think that he could average fifty, um, but that's still going to give him a, a decent, you know, a decent spot in the center wing of four hundred ten thousand. But I feel like that this is probably the year where you either go for guys that are going to be guns, or you're going to go for guys that are going to be cheap. And I don't really like that in between for the center wing. Yeah, so he'll be a he'll be a good pod though. So I mean look I, I I couldn't I was talking to one of the guys in um G Z the other day and I couldn't talk him out of couldn't talk him out of starting Joey Martin when we were looking at the numbers and stuff, you know. Like I said look he will he will average better. And he could I could see him averaging ten points better at fifty five and um I'll give a shout out to Marty on the pod. Marty was 16, keen and yeah, I couldn't I couldn't exactly talk him out of it. So I mean if you're gonna go for it, he's gonna be an out-and-out pod, there's not going to be many people with Joey Manu, so at 410k, you could
0: certainly do a worse pod in there. He's round about that same price as the Gutherson and the the, the, the Bateman there, uh, especially Bateman who seems to be a little bit more popular, I'm just going to be uh, one hell of a pod, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, his ownership's definitely in pod territory, um, I'm pretty sure that it was only 3 or 4% um, as of the other day. Yeah, so-
0: few people uh, are on. He's up to 7.9%, so right on 8%. No, so. oh, this last week, then.
1: Oh, I've seen him coming up a little bit this last week. Um, if you know what will happen. You guarantee, you spoke about it yourself, getting sucked in. We've got the World Club Challenge on Monday. Um, yeah, it, I almost hope that Angus Crichton has an absolute bludger of a game because you can guarantee, like, half the owners will jump off him. Well, Troy Mitchell will be the same. If he has a blood a again, half will jump off him. But the same with these um, guys like Manu. If, if Manu has a blinder again after doing so well in the test match as well, I can see his ownership going up even more.
0: Look, absolutely. And I think a little bit of homework with, with Manu this week is have a little look who takes up the slack that's gone with Fergo leaving. Who takes up those... The, the base that's the get out test. And if, if you have a little look uh do a bit of research and see what you know what Manu's averaging for his base or whatever, and then look at how many runs he, he has in that game, that can also be a bit of a yard for player.
1: Yeah, really good advice. Um but I've already got an answer for you mate and it goes into our next category which is the big balls pods of the roosters. And I can tell you who exactly who's gonna pick up the slack and that's gonna be Daniel Tufo in my opinion. He's uh I reckon Toops is is keen for those runs that Fergo has taken from him. So Toops is coming in at 433k, so exactly the same area as Joey Manu's at. He only averaged 46 points a game last year. Uh, That was his worst in four years. He averaged 57 points a game in 2017, 50 and 49 the two years before. If you think that he's going to go back to his 2017 form, that's 11 points underpriced for Toops. Um, and he's also a guy that can score very well against that manly power matchup up in round two to three. Um, and when he was healthy last year, I thought he looked outstanding for a few games, just watching. He is someone who we did rely on for a lot of work. He's done it before. He does it really well, taking those um, Fergo hit-ups. I think that Fergo probably just got in there a little bit quicker and just sort of pushed him out of the way a few times because Fergo was really hungry for it. Brett Morris isn't a guy who can pick up that slack as a winger. And when it's getting kicked out the back, you know, it's either going to be Teddy, um, Morris, or Tupou picking up some of Fergie's slack, and it's really going to be up to the two wingers because Teddy can't keep running it back all the time. So I, I really think that it's going to be Daniel Tupou, um, and I've almost been talking myself into looking at someone like him as a pod as opposed to someone like Joey Manu. I... Uh...
0: You're getting absolutely no love for Tufo from me on this one. Uh, <laughs> I'd prefer, prefer to pay 23 grand less and give Manu a chance. Then we, we said with Tufo, he got four scores under 30 last year, top score in 95 when they were absolutely, when they nailed the heels at the end there, and then a second top of 69. I need a little bit more if I'm going to be spending that from a winger.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I I, I don't like spending on wingers. 430k is probably about my threshold to do it. So it's touch and go. One thing with Tupo, he he hasn't been healthy, and he is now, and that's something that you can't really see in the numbers and stuff. So, I mean, for me, it's a bit more of a gut feel. A lot of the time those gut feels are wrong, but sometimes those gut feels pay off. Uh, My gut feel with Tupo is he's going to pick up 10 points of work maybe just from Fergo not being there, because Brett Morris is a is a bloody slug. He's, he's a great guy, he's a good finisher, but as far as work rate goes, he's a slug. He doesn't get in there, and he just doesn't do it enough. He has like six or seven get ups a game, and that's about it. So, Tubo gets in there, and he gets a lot of metres. He's got really good runs over eight metres, and he's a guy that can rack up. When he runs more, he gets more TBs and more offloads, and it's two things that he can do. So... I do have a, a bit of a gut feel that he he's probably at least five points undervalued, if not maybe 10. And if he can be 10 points undervalued, I think that you're on to a, a decent pod to start the year with him. But he's a big balls pod for a reason, VK. I, I get why there's no love from you. I probably won't be able to fit in my white team either, but he's certainly a guy to, to have a look at. Our last uh, pod for the Roosters side is Jake Friend. I'm bringing it up Friendy because... Um, I was talking to a few of the guys around the Traps about the makeup of the Roosters team, and we were wondering who was maybe going to be on the bench, whether they were either going to have a utility or whether they were just going to go with Albo as a utility. And if Orbo's a utility, you know, maybe he doesn't take as many minutes away from, from Jake Friend. Friendly only averaged 51 points a game last year, but before that he was 59, 63, and 59. He's only priced at 480k, so... His last Roosters run between 19 and 26, which was their stellar run, he played a lot more minutes and he averaged 69 points a game, which for a hooker was pretty outstanding. So, mate, you can tell me I'm crazy. I'm not actually starting with him. I'm going with Hodgson. But when you're looking at the guys below Cook, you know, Hodgson, Macker, Cam Smith all get quite a bit of love. But with Fred, nobody's mentioned anything about him. He's significantly cheaper than most of them at 480k. Would it be the you know the worst part in the world to go Fred
0: and save some extra money? Absolutely not. I think it was like 2016 where after round 12, um, he was in a neck and neck battle for the highest scoring booker with Smith, and then Smith obviously took off. Yeah. Um, the key is the minutes, as you said. Um, Robbo messed around with his minutes. And uh, for the first part of the season, he only had an average of 44 up to 19. And then another post-origin, special that final seven games, You threw out the stats there. The minutes he was playing 80-minute games and averaging, what what would you say, 69. So plenty of room for growth. And if you talk about the difference between the 400,000 for Radley going up to Cook, you could keep Friend... um, up until roundabout origin period, and then uh, uh, make a swap to Cook there for a a lot less price. but The main thing is uh, whether or not they're going to somehow, you you know, chop and change a bit and and take some minutes away from him. But looking at that supposed interchange bench of Louis, um, Collins, Tedovano and Orbo, looks as if he'll probably get big minutes again. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I just, I just really don't like Orbison at hooker. Um, I think that he fills in okay, and he can do a job, and that's pretty much been Orbo all over his career. You know, you, a lot of the commentators will ask each other, "What do you think about Orbo? Like, oh, he does a job. He'll always get in there and do his job, and that's pretty much it. And I thought when I did see him filling at hooker at times, Orbo looks uncomfortable. He doesn't look like a hooker. You know, it's sort of that whole real slow, sluggish, like pick up the ball and pass it sort of thing, not knowing where to throw it. So I kind of see it as... I don't know if I could see Robbo putting bow in hooker
0: as a consistent game plan each game for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what else um, is worth taking into account with this new stat. You know, what is going to warrant a hooker getting given, you know, those four points? Because, um, you know, Frienders doesn't really set up too many, but if is the hooker getting the point to be... Takes a couple of steps or engages the line and then passes, and then it's scored like maybe a pass or so later. So it's just another grey area there, but there's also possible points there to think about uh, for Friend. Yeah, that's definitely
1: true as well. Um, it's, it's definitely a watch and see. I think that if, if Friend is playing 80 minutes in the trials and we can get a bit of a gauge on what Orbo's role is going to be, uh, I've been really sold on Hodgson. I'm definitely not starting with Cook. He's, he's too much money for me. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the punt that I'm getting later. But even though I'm so sold on Hodgson, if friends playing um, 80 minutes, I'm going to have to put him in instead because he's $100,000 plus cheaper. And you can expect 69 points a game from him around about at his best. But even if he's doing 65, you know, that's a 15-point increase on what he did last year. And you're going to make 150 grand out of that at plus and then get the points as well. So... I think I'll have to make the move if he's doing 80 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah I, think, uh, I think you're spot on there. Uh,
1: so we'll have to finish up the Roosters here, BK, because otherwise it'll become a Roosters pod. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was always going to happen with the two of us talking about it. But um, to the listeners, there's a, um, there's a lot more Roosters-relevant players to talk about, so it's a bit harder. I'm going to sign off on the Roosters, though. I'm not going to go through any stats, but just mention a potential cheapie. Uh, Collins is a good young prop that they got on the bench there. And I reckon he's going to pick up um, some of Dylan Napa's minutes, definitely overtake Ted on the depth, depth chart. Um, so he's one to keep an eye on, about 230k. He only played 22, 23 minutes last year. If he's going to play 35, he could be a cheap prop to get in there that um, maybe we won't have any of, aside from Payne Haas So one to watch. Uh, the Newcastle Knights. They're our next team, mate eh? And we can almost call them the Newcastle Roosters, just about. <laughs> <laughs> the Knights fans aren't going to like that. Um, let's go through the gains and the losses real quick. So James Gavay from the Warriors has come over. Um, he's going to be in the 17, apparently. Tim Glasby, reasonably big signing from Melbourne. Heimel Hunt from the Rabbits. Dave Clemmers... Um, one of their biggest signings along with probably Jesse and from the Sharks those two guys are going to be definitely starting Kurt Mann is another guy that's going to be in the 17 so they've probably got another five guys that are going to be in the 17 for sure that are new new signings uh, obviously lots of guys like Brock Lamb and Heino and stuff that are all being moved on and for good reason but they didn't really, didn't really lose anybody of note um, they've really only gained so the Knights are looking pretty strong um, I reckon that they're going to have a a top eight type of season, VK, surely they're going to improve.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, the old uh, last couple of years, not even last year, but a couple of years before that, just thinking, oh, easy points, captain to the Knights. Those days are well and truly gone.
1: They are dead and buried, mate. The Knights are going to be good this year. The Knights draw as well. Uh, they have the best home draw to start the year, four out of their first five games. Uh, or all home games. Um, the actual teams don't start off the best. They have the Sharks and then the Panthers, but then their draw opens up ridiculously. Round three onwards, they go Canberra, St. George, Manly, Titans, Eels, Warriors, Bulldogs. That is the best run that you can get, I reckon, as far as teams that are going to open up for super coach points. So let's start off with their biggest gun and the guy that's going to end up opening up every one of those teams when he plays them. Kalen Ponga, 614,000. Average 66 points a game last year. Uh, 53 points a game the year before, but obviously last year was his first full year in, in, in the NRL. VK, I'm going to throw it out there. He's, he's one of the first that i picked. 614 grand, I reckon, is underpriced for him. He gave up the kicking to Kencio quite a bit last year. By all accounts, CO is definitely not there. And By all accounts, he's going to be goal-kicking this year, full-time Ponger. So you can pretty much add an extra four points to his average just by the, the, the additional goal-kicking he's going to have through the year. I reckon he picks up at least three points to, for the tri-contribution stat, I reckon that's at least seven points already that are basically guaranteed if he has the same year as last year and just is kicking the whole time. That brings him up to basically what Turbo and Teddy are averaging for last season in the mid-70s, but he's you know, 80 grand cheaper. I, I just can't see a way to leave him out, especially when you can put him at your five eight spot.
0: Oh, that chill positioning is just an absolute gift, isn't it? Um He's just such a, the the only risk at all, I agree with absolutely everything you said, the only risk at all is whether or not how quickly he, um, you know, responds and I guess how well he adapts to the new positioning. But just going about how we saw him just attack weak defensive lines when they were getting fatigued last year. I can't see it being an issue. Um, What do you think? Do you think his defense will be an issue at all? Do you think they'll they'll try and run a lot at him to try and uh, tire him out?
1: Look, I think they'll aim a lot at him. Any smart team is going to aim at him to try and slow him down. But the thing is, I did think that his defense would be a bit of a worry. He's a pretty small guy. But I saw him pull off some really good tackles where he was just really tough. You know, like he tackled low around the waist and around the legs, which you don't see often. And he just hung on like a terrier. And he didn't drop off. Um, and he, it didn't seem to phase him. You know, there's so many times last year where I saw him take these hits in the defensive line where I was like, man, he's dead. He's not He's not getting up. He's done. And he just get up and get back in the line. Like, he's a real tough kid. So I don't think that it's going to affect him too much. I actually reckon that that's going to be... The saving grace about his move so a lot of people are worried that he's not going to be fullback so he's not going to be taking as many runs and the TVs will be down he's probably going to be making an extra 20 to 25 tackles a game because they're going to aim traffic at him and he can do it so you know he might get an extra 15 20 points just from his tackling and on the plus side you know Brownie has already said he's, he's going to be running a lot of the attack and he basically played 5-8 in the attack a lot last year even though he
0: was playing full back in defense. So I don't think it's an issue at all. Mate. Oh, look, the best thing I've read this week is that he's going to be given a little bit of a license to roam. Hello, Chachi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're all aboard the train?
0: All aboard, and especially with the goal kicking as you said. Um, yeah, you can there's so many stats that you can look at from different um angles to see that you're getting a lot of value with him at 615k I'm just I, I'm all in I can't I can't hold him
1: mate I'm not ever going to go through the numbers from last year it's, it's insignificant just go and put him in your team now guys I'm going to make an outlandish statement to finish off on Ponga we won't even spend any more time on him I will just say I reckon he's going to be the
0: number one player in super coach in 2019 number one scorer that is huge that is huge but not uh, not unreasonable <laughs>
1: So let's move on to the only other gun that we're going to speak about in the Newcastle Knights side, and that is Fitzgibbon. So, Lockie Fitzgibbon played really well last year, obviously a career year. Um, In 2017, he sneakily averaged 58 points and didn't get anywhere near enough recognition that he deserved, but in 2018, he averaged 62 points a game, putting him in gun territory. Um... One of the knocks on him was that he was scoring a lot of his points through tries, um, and he went on a run of I think eight games in a row as a forward scoring tries, and plenty of those were doubles as well. Um, but there were some fantastic stats that you can look at with him. Like each time he, he scores a try, he's he's going to um, give you mid seventies in points. So like you, and with the amount of tries that he was scoring, you know he's pretty much scoring one every two games. So, yeah, lots to like about him, mate, especially in the back row price at 576K. I guess the downside of him is he's basic and as good as some other players, so he can get a lot of 40s, um, potentially, if he's not scoring tries. He's a bit of a, a volatile and, and polarising guy. How do you see Boki Fitzgibbon? Um,
0: look, he's definitely a pot at 5%, but he... Um talk about the polarising, he's just one of those blokes that I always find a reason not to put in. Like, his average of 61 from last season, probably a little bit under. You know, if you take out, he had a 35 in round eight and a 14 in round 24, where he only played, you know, 55 minutes and 25 minutes. He actually averaged 65, if you look at that. Yep. But and only just over fifty percent of those scores were over sixty. So we, when those tries aren't coming in, um, you know, that, that's where he's capable of you know those lower scores. So I guess for that price range, um, I'm I'm always more sort of, I'd I'd be more likely to lean towards a brown or a kick out for around about the same price. Yeah, funny you should say that because I've got brown and
1: kick out in my team over Fitzgibbon at the moment. Um, and I just like their work rate and their and their base being a lot better. But um, I've got to be honest, I've started to sway um, because of five percent ownership for Fitzgibbon and just looking at his scores and his draw, basically. So I'm not expecting you know him to be able to score seventies all season, but in the short term, I'm really. It's very tantalising looking at that round three to round nine draw. You know, that's, that's a lot of games in there. Canberra Dragons, Manly Titans, Power Warriors, Bulldogs. He could legitimately score a try in every one of those games because he did the similar last year.
0: Yeah, he can hit a hole. He's got, he was not, you said nine tries last year and, and, and eight the year before. So, yeah, it's a tough one. He's definitely a pop, though.
1: Definitely a pod. Um, I reckon you could do worse. I wouldn't talk anyone out of getting him. I'm probably not going to be able to fit him in. Going onto that fallen gun um, and talk about polarizing. I tell you what, you either fight. Yeah, there's two types of people in the world, mate. There's rooster supporters who love Mitchell Pierce, and then there's everybody else that hates him. Um, <laughs> oh
0: man. <laughs> He's—he's he, he's just a loose cannon, isn't he? He's just a loose cannon.
1: Uh, I think he's a lot better than what people give him credit for. Yeah, to to go to supercoach for thirty seconds before we go into these numbers. Yeah, I've I've met Mitchell Pearce a couple of times, and I tell you what, like he's for a guy that cops that much criticism, I'm always amazed at how well he takes it all. You know, like even in interviews and whatever, like he smiles, laughs it off, and says, "Oh, well, you know, they've got every right to." hate me if they want to, their fans and everything else, and he just smiles, you know, and the same when I met him, like, he's just, he's genuinely a really nice guy, and he does a lot in the community that he doesn't get credit for and stuff too, so, I've got a lot of time for Piercy, but his numbers, 2018, was abysmal for him, he was obviously average, um, injured for a good chunk of time, ended up coming, he, ended up being that he would have come first in the Dalian's probably. Um, by all accounts, if he wasn't injured, though. That's how well he did. And I think he still finished in the top three or four in the votes, even though he missed a third of the season. So in real life, he had a huge impact. But in Supercoach, he only averaged 50 points a game, which was his low. The year before, though, he averaged 62. In 2016, he was at 66. I'm sort of looking at him at 463,000, going, well, if he can get back to 60s, you know, he's 12 to... 16 points underpriced from where he was the last couple of years. He's definitely a hand grenade pod. You know, there's no doubt about it. It could blow up in your face. But looking at that draw and how he ran that attack and how much his football's matured as a halfback, he could legit carve up for at least a couple of months to start the year and be well above that 50-point average.
0: Look, it's exactly what you said. If, you, if you're if you a believer in in the draw, I just... I've been really hammered in years gone by when I've looked at a draw and gone and, you know, namely namely the, the, the Roosters draw to start last year and then it's it's the NRL and the, the, so, so often you, you get the draw wrong and you, you, you base a team or you base a player on, on the draw they've got coming up and you end up uh, getting, you know, getting stung there, but... He's 140k cheaper than Johnson, 110k cheaper than Cleary, and so if you're a believer in that draw, and um, and it is definitely a cracking first half of the season there, uh, you could you could definitely, as you mentioned before, uh, give the same output as the guns but pay a lot less and spend the money elsewhere.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think he's a he's going to be a massive pod. He's going to be hardly owned at all. So. I will throw the K out there before we move on. I'm not suggesting that anybody should go Pierce over Cleary. Cleary to me is the clear number one. If you're gonna go someone like Pierce, it's gonna be because you're gonna maybe stack your halves and have three and have three halves and one cheapie out of your four half spots. Uh, I think that's when someone like Pierce comes into play. Um, but he's definitely a guy that's um I don't think he's gonna put you behind heaps if he's a you know, third half. But he's got the potential to really put you in front if um, that draw pays off. Um, yeah, absolutely. So mids mids for uh, the Knights VK, just really quickly, one guy that sort of caught my eye, because he's one of their biggest signings, Tim Glasby, um, you know, a, a lot of people look at him as the perennial forward spud. He's a bit of a um, plotter, um, doesn't really have too much variance to his game and he's a bit of a worker. But one of the reasons that he caught my eye is because, like I mentioned before, The front row forward spot is an absolute desert. It's just a wasteland. There is nothing there. And he's a guy that's changing clubs and on a pretty good deal with Newcastle. Um, The latest team rumours are that he's going to be starting. He's 365K. Um, He only averaged uh, 39 points a game last year. And he did that in 42 minutes. The thing that sort of caught my eye is, one, 39 minutes is really low. Um, I'm thinking that surely he sort of gets around 50 or so. And in 2017, in the same amount of minutes, in 42 minutes, he averaged 46 points a game. So one could argue even at the same, you know, sort of level of minutes, he's seven points below where he probably should be after a down year last year. I'm not a big Tim Glasby fan, but at 360K and searching for front row forward options, he just came up as a bit of a mid-range pod. Um, that might be able to do something in the Knights' pack. I think that's great, Chat. You know, there's a bit of love
0: going around for, there's been talk about uh, Tolman and Dalphin and that, but um, I guess Glasby's sort of gone under the radar a bit, but with the new club, so, so he's averaged that 42 minutes in the last two years, even if he can, can get up to 50 minutes. If you look at the he, seven games he played uh, 50 minutes or over last year and he averaged 52. That's so great. It, it, it's another thing. If he, if he holds, managed to, and, you know, there's so many ifs in all of these, but if he gets that 50 minutes uh, and averages that, there's a cheeky 120K to be made there.
1: And that's so valuable in the, in the front row forward spot, isn't it? It's like there's, there's nothing there really at all. There's only, And it's hard because you want to spend all your money in your second row forward spots. So, I mean, if Glasby can, can give you 52 points a game, That's kind of equivalent to a sixty-point game second row because there's just so few front row forward options that are going to be any good aside from the top couple of guys. So fifty-two is really valuable as a you know maybe around one to ten type of score, and then moving him on for maybe one hundred and twenty grand. You know, he, he seems like it could be a bit of a win. Obviously, a lot of if so, as you said.
0: Yeah, so once again, he's another one of about 100 players that you want to be trying to get a bit of an idea of what minutes he's playing in trial and just pretty much <laughs> listening to all the what, what the coaches are saying pre-season during their interviews. But, um, yeah, once again, he's not probably, definitely not one I see anyway as, a you know, a, a, a full season buy, but just one of those springboards that can get you to a Burgess or a Fafita or to Power if you want to go down that way.
1: Yeah, my plan with him, if I was going to have him in my front-rate right forward spot, would be to uh, grab him in for round one, and then I would be thinking that I'm going to hopefully do close to a straight swap for Sergius for that round 12 buy that the buddies play when the Knights aren't playing, and that'll probably be perfect if you could pull that off. But um, Absolutely. So that that's a good segue, though, because our next guy is a cheapie that we're going to talk about. And one of the things with Glasby is, at the moment, it looks like for certain that the Knights are going to have a three-forward bench, which only helps their forward rotations to get bigger minutes. Uh, Kurt Ben is looking like either the utility or the starting hooker with Levi on the bench or starting. Um, and a lot of guys have Kurt Ben in their side at the moment. Bit of a tough one. He's 260000 so he's not heaps cheap, but he is still cheap. He's a dual hooker centre wing, which is pretty handy. He only averaged 28 points a game last year um, and basically did that because he was only playing 41 minutes. The years before, he was playing completely different positions, so it's a little bit hard to look at it, but he averaged 50, 44, and 40. So, you know, he's basically 40% below his scoring average between 17 and 18 at the moment at his price point. Brown obviously brought him across supposedly with the promise that going to turn him into a hooker. Uh, apparently, they wanted Levi to move on, but it never happened. And now, of course, all the stories are coming out that the wise you know, killing the B test, the fittest he's ever been, muscle watch, you know, all the clichés from the pre-season. So it's a little bit of a toss-up whether the man's going to be on the bench or starting. Um, to me, VK, he can really do that second hooker spot justice if he's getting sort of 50 minutes. But if he's not getting 50-plus, he could be a bit trappish.
0: I think you're exactly right. Uh, you look at a couple of years where uh, Jaden Braley came. He uh, came on and played his first full season. He played the 50 minutes. He was a slow burner and you, you made a good bit of cash and then you could upgrade him. I think um, if he doesn't play that, and I've got him in at the moment, it just he just has the ability to be one hell of a trap, doesn't he, If he's coming on and playing 20 minutes. You're just never going to be able to get rid of him unless you... Um, move him down to the centre wing. So that's my only issue. I'm a little bit worried about him, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you the other worry as well, and, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, he's not a hooker. So, yeah, that's, it's a bit of a worry. Hooker's not the easiest position in the world to play. Um, some of the fittest players on the field are the fullbacks as far as how much they run, but the next is going to be the hooker because they do not only really have to cover heaps of ground by they get to the play the ball, I've played hooker in the past and it's a nightmare. Having to get around and chase the ball all day but then sit in the middle of the field and make the most tackles out of anyone, it really takes it out of here. Um, and I, don't, I would question whether Kurt Mann would even be able to play decent minutes from the start. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he could only play 40 minutes to start with and then maybe in round 12 he starts playing 50 to 55 and they build him up.
0: Yeah, and they've also got that, um, is it, uh, Zach Walford? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. As well, isn't he? So. Yeah, they do. He's a young hooker too. And I mean, because Kurt Mann is sort of green to the position, you know, one of the worst things in supercoach super is when you start with a guy that's got competition but he gets his starting jersey and then he ends up not doing well and then all of a sudden two games in he gets benched. And funnily enough, that happened to Kurt Mann a couple of years ago. If you remember when he got, he got to play his favorite fullback spot, he had an absolute shocker at fullback. And after one game, he got dropped back to the bench. And guys bought him for that week. Yeah. Very, very yeah. tough one. I'm leaving him out at the moment, VK. Um, I'm, I'm actually edging towards um, Egan to get more minutes and maybe be better value. What's the heavy you in your
0: team? Is he going to stick there for round one, or are you going to move on? Well, he was the one that, um, you know, do I try and find the extra 140K to go to Radley? Or... Um, but I'm, I'm with you. If Egan's getting 50 minutes, um, I'd, I'd quite happily just um, uh, put him in there and just let him sort of slow burn until I can get Cook into the back end of the season. All right. Well, let's move on from Kurt Mann
1: and finish up the Newcastle Knights talking about our big baller's pod, Smokey. And he is a Smokey, but I tell you what, he's going to be pretty reliable. He's not, um, he's not too risky, I don't think. Young Connor Watson came through, the Roosters made him and the Knights took him, but that's alright. 537000 uh He's pretty well priced. Cheap enough at five thirty-seven. He is 5'8 or fullback only though, which is the worry because 5'8 and fullback are really stacked. He did average 57 points a game last season, which was a career year where he obviously got to play um, as a starter full time in a set position. He's going to be the fullback for the Newcastle Knights, which is going to open things up for him Um, running-wise, and his running game is very, very strong. So the running and tackle breaks and and probably a lot of tries running off the likes of Pierce and Ponga are going to be there. So I can definitely see the appeal for 537K. Um, I was talking to a couple of guys about this last night uh, that are really keen and also today, and some of them were pretty reasonable, (laughs) and I I kind of agreed with them, where they were like, oh, he's going to be a gun, and I was like, yep. I can see that. He averaged 57 last year. I can pretty much guarantee he's going to score 60s. they got a good draw as well. Um, I sort of pinned him at about 63 points a game, which I think is really good. Um, if he was set a wing, I'd have him straight in. The problem for me was he was uh, a fullback five eight, and I just see so many other fullbacks of five eights are the premium options that I, I would much rather have. But, of course, Billy Marion jumped in because he couldn't come on the pod tonight because we had Euron. And he threw it out there that he reckons that uh, Connor Watson is going to average 70s, so much so that he, he bet me a case of beer on it by the end of the year, he would average over 70 points a game, young Connor Watson. Well, the question is, how many beers
0: that he had before he made that bet? <laughs> <laughs> he must have had a lot. But, but he's actually, uh, just looking at his uh, stats, he's massively under the radar. Like, so he's a pod now at 3%, but... um. Yeah, you know, uh, as per old 60-60 gun or whatever, he scored 60 in, um, uh, in 60% of his 15 games. So he, if you take out also, the, that 57 average might even be a little bit skewed. Because taking out his five from round three and 15 in 24, where he was injured, Billy um, really might not be too far off, you know, because when you take those two scores out, it's an average of 64 the only problem is playing at fullback. It's a huge positional switch. It doesn't matter if you play there in juniors. To be playing there in NRL is a huge positional switch. And he only had four games at fullback for the Roosters. So as long as he can get the hang of that, but I guess uh, you know there could be a bit more attacking uh, opportunity there for
1: him. Yeah, I agree, and I I think that he will be good, and I think he is a good buyer and a very good pod. I just think that he's sort of you know, sixty three odd or sixty four, which funnily enough he said that he did average. Maybe he'll get to mid sixties, but um I don't see him getting to seventies and I just can't bring myself to pick him over uh the, the key fullbacks that we've got there, um, or the key five eights either that are on offer. But as a second five eight, look if you wanna if you want to let Dylan Brown go and sort of think, you know, he's he's playing for the Eels, I've got enough other cheapies. Connor Watson could be a really good second five eight for you to throw in there and on that run of games, he could do really well,
0: well. Yeah, look, I had a year a couple of years ago where I said, I'm going to go away from the pack, and I started with four gun halves, and it was an absolute backfire because it was the year Ash Taylor and Cody Walker just smashed it in their first year. Yep. But if you look at some of the value and look at some of the potential this year with uh, with Milford um, and you know Connor Watson like we just spoke about and having Ponga in there, it might not be the worst option. And Cleary as well. Cleary. But, uh, yeah. You know, nice to consider. it would be the best thing ever if we had no
1: cheapies in the halves this year. Um, that would actually work out really well, I reckon, to build some really strong teams. But, Adam Kieran's got the job in New Zealand, so you only got three spots. But, yeah, I couldn't begrudge anyone for getting Conor Watson. I think he's a good buy. I um, think he, he's going to improve by at least six six points a game. If not, maybe even ten at maximum. He's just not going to hit he's Billy. Sorry, mate. But, you can argue with that about me on the next pod. Um, let's move on to the Titans now, mate. All right, so the ins and outs for the Gold Coast Titans, um, pretty cut and dried, really. They've got Riley Jacks coming across from the Melbourne Storm and Brian Kelly from the Sea Eagles, who should be there starting the Tyron Tyrone Peachy was probably their big signing from the Panthers, and Tyron Roberts is coming back from Warrington. Key losses, really. Um, Conrad Hurrell very quietly went over the lead Rhinos. I didn't even realise for a little while that he'd gone... Uh, Kane Elgi over to the Seagulls. Uh, and that was really it. Then there was just some second graders mostly that left. So the side's pretty similar to what it has been. There's not too many guys that are really that relevant for Supercoach. But the one guy that we are going to talk about um, is super relevant. And that is Jairo. He had a fantastic season. Aside from the injuries, he still priced at $598,000 because that's how good he went. Only had 55 minutes a game but he scored 64 points a game in that 55 minutes. His PPM has always been really strong. He was 1.17 last year, 1.2 PPM in 17, and 1.16 in 16. So he guaranteed to be towards that 1.2 PPM, which is a league forward category for PPM. And I'd also say, VK, that he's... 64 average is very much unders because his minutes got screwed around in a number of games. Um, He was carrying injuries as well, and he went off with a couple of concussions. He was quite frustrating in the middle of the season to own, but he projects at 70-plus if you take all that stuff out. So he's straight into my side. I don't know about you.
0: First pick he was, uh, going at that value. um, Just looking at, at the depth that they've got, and I don't think there's too much. Um, he's a young bloke so hopefully he'll recover from those injuries he he had last year reasonably quick I think he's only 23 but in the 8 games where he played 60 minutes or more which you'd think he'll play that for sure at least to start the season um, he averaged 86 but what's even better is of those 8 games he averaged 62 in base stats. so that's just next level that's crazy it's just Unbelievable to get a player like that for under, under 600k. But you do have to consider why he is there, and that is because he was just injury-plagued and owners last year had to put up with him, you know, just scoring scoring it well over a point a minute, and then the next minute they see him down with those back spasms. So that is the worrying thing, but a, a, a healthy arrow, I think, is the, the best buy of the year. Yeah, 100% agree. And i tell you the other thing, too.
1: Um, he was talking about his fitness and stuff and Wilfred was actually speaking about this um, with a couple of articles where they were quoting him saying uh, he'd stopped drinking alcohol um, and he'd started doing uh, a lot of different fitness stuff to get his body right and to make sure that he could go for 80 minutes if he could and he could avoid the injuries and everything. So he put a heap of work in on the off season. 55 minutes a game there's only upside there. Like, this this guy was always punching out 80-minute games in the juniors and as he was coming through grading. If he got 80 minutes, he would be the next Corey Parker, four-gallon love child. Um, But even at 55, he could easily go up to 60-65 and maybe have, including his injury-affected games, if you take those into account, easily an extra 10 points. And that brings me up to, you know, mid-70s if he managed to put all that together. So... It's one of those rare instances where a guy that you're paying um, you know, 600k for that's a Ford actually he's um, got such huge upside that he could be one of the best players in the game. So I've got him right in. I was a little bit standoffish because of his injuries. But just quick question for you with Arrow. Ryan James is the other gun that's at the Titans, um, averaging 63 points a game. He's a really good comparison point because Ryan James is five hundred eighty-five thousand, so they're almost identically priced. For me, VK Arrows completely leaps and bounds ahead of Ryan James, and you shouldn't even consider
0: Ryan James. Am I
1: crazy just for throwing Ryan
0: James out the window? Um, yeah, absolutely. He's got to go, especially um, with uh, the movies. I'm pretty sure they're, they're looking to switch James onto the edge there. And um, the four games he played at second row uh, averaged like 57. So to to think that you could pay an extra, what, uh, 15K and get Arrow in. Um, that being said, coming up to the uh, origin period, probably uh, Ryan James will get over for three tries in three games and knock out 300-plus scores and <laughs> he'll, he'll consider him again. But I think for the season long, uh, Arrow's just an that much better a buy, it's not funny.
1: Yeah, uh, look, he's he's a second row forward that ended up, um, or a lock rather, but ended up with a 138-point game when he started scoring some tries against Manly in Round 5 last year, and another 105 points when he scored against the Tigers, and 90 the week before that. He, He actually found the line a few times, so, I mean, he ticks all the boxes, and one of the reasons why... I'll finish off saying Arrow is a fantastic guy for round one and should be one of your first forwards picked. The Titans are a bad team, and I'm sorry all the Titans fans out there, but you're not going to be in the top A. You're going to be one of the teams that gets a lot of points put on you. Um, Ryan James isn't immune to that. Ryan James can suffer when the Titans aren't doing too well. But Arrow is made to do well in every single game from a Super Coach perspective because he's got high tackles. He runs the ball up for a million hit-ups any offloads and get some TVs in there as well. So it doesn't matter when they lose by 50 points, he still gets his, his 65, 70 points pretty easily. So I think he's pretty immune to um, the team that he's in and whether they get fogged or not, which I find really appealing in my pack.
0: Yeah, that's a great point.
1: So Big Balls pod for the Gold Coast Titans. I've got two here. They're two young halves, Ash Taylor and Brimson. Um, Brimson was a um, bit of a Billy favourite for last year. When he went into the fullback role, he it looked really good. Um, he really passed the eye test. He averaged 49 points a game, um, which wasn't stellar, but I guess everyone's looking at him from a you know 460k and that round 19 to 26 when he was playing fullback, he actually averaged 61 points a game. It looks like he might be in the halves or he might actually retain that fullback spot can you see you know, Ash Taylor or Brimson stepping up and actually being a worthy um, pod to maybe consider?
0: Brimson more than Ash Taylor. Um, Ash Taylor, um, he had two single-digit scores last year, and even though he was, like, second in the league for uh, try assists, the majority of his tries, assists, if I remember correctly, was sort of came off kicks. Yep. And, you know, didn't really accompany a line break assist and, and everything like that. So I, I I don't rate Taylor too much as an option at all. Um, uh, and then Briggs, and the only problem there is he's got that old 5'8 fullback dual positioning that's pretty chock full this year, isn't it? Especially with a lot of the guys that you've mentioned in previous pods and that we've even covered tonight. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think he'll remain a pod just due to that when you've got like Pongers and Milfords and, and 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 the like knocking around yeah I agree
1: I, I can't go near either one myself but they are definitely pods and Brimson is a young guy that could step out of nowhere but these are the type of guys and I guess I'll go on a little bit of a strategy tangent you don't have to do pods from round one um, and I think it's one of the common mistakes and even I fall in love with it where you know I'll I'll go for five or six pods when really for round one, you really only want to get a couple because it's that first one or two months of the season where you can suss it out. And if you find that you're missing a guy that's a pod, he's not going to be too much more. So, I mean, someone like Brimson, if Brimson set the world on fire for the first month of the season, just trade him before round five um, and just use him as like a round four to five trade in and just grab your pod that way.
0: Yeah, and look, we'll uh you know, Ponga thinks it up, like really thinks it up for the first two games or, or Milford's just not going the way you want and Brimson is an easy trade-down action to, to make some money and it's not saying you won't get say Ponga and Milford in later on in the season but, you know, as you, as you know, those first couple of rounds you've got to be putting yourself in a position to make as much money as possible.
1: Yep. Agreed. So the, the last one that we'll finish off with for the Titans uh, is a um, big mistake... And that is Bryce Cartwright. Um, I'm seeing quite a few people throwing him in. And the explanations I'm getting it, it, it's a little bit like Groundhog Day. I was feeling like Bill Murray in uh, Huxley Tony waiting for Phil to come out. It was, uh, I felt exactly like it. It was like guys that say, he's only 230K, can't go wrong. It's like. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, you're not going to like my answer. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, he's in. He's in. Like, why not at that price? Haven't you heard? He's killing it in pre-season. He's all over. <laughs> he's
1: got his eye back together. He's, he's smashing it. Uh, he's a pre-season special. You know, I imagine if he actually played the season out, like apparently he does his pre-season, he'd be a superstar. But I'm just going to give you some sobering numbers, VK. We'll move on.
0: Ah. Oh. I just, you don't need to do the numbers. There aren't any good numbers since
1: 2016. Well, I hope you look forward to either 25 or 29 points a game because that's what he's been managing to do the last two years. And i tell you what, he's been averaging almost 50 minutes the last two years to get you that 28-point, 27-point average across the last two years. So, yeah, you might get lucky. Maybe you will pick up an extra 10 points and he might actually break them in the 30s, mate. There we go. There we go. Anything's better. I I could not go near him, guys, and I could not stress enough just to not even bother. It's um to me, it's it's too much of a headache. I'll trade him in for one of my cheapies that gets benched or something five rounds in if he's going to make some money or he does anything. But the amount of heartache that you have having him in your team and sticking it up and not being able to do anything with him. Is just horrendous. And if anybody likes to to do a loop, you can't loop with the guy because if he's on one of his tears that he's been on the last two years, you're going to pop maybe a 15-point game in some of his duds.
0: Yeah, exactly. And look, you look at that starting team, he's not going to get a spot starting um, with with the clientele in there at the moment in his position. So he's going to be coming off the bench. And unless he gets some quick-fire points, he's definitely not going to be a a rapid money owner. No, he, or the he has in the park.
1: he's got a poor work rate, he relies on his attack, and he's attacking his offload, abandoned him two years ago. He's a stay away, and if he does manage to buck the trend, you can just trade him in, in, a, in a few weeks, and then away you go. So, do not start with Bryce Cartwright, he's a headache that you do not need to have, and you will not be able to get rid of him easily when you throw him in your team for round one. Uh, let's move on to the Storm, a little bit better team than what the Titans are. Um, the Storm... Made it to the grand final last year. I'm not sure that they're actually going to do as well for this year. But having said that, they've still got a pretty formidable side. Uh, a couple of big losses for them. Um, Billy Slater's obviously the, the massive one. But um, Tim Glasby and Ryan Hoffman have both done pretty good jobs for them. And Riley Jacks is actually decent in some of his games and all those guys have moved on. They've only got really you know, second graders or 3-17 or guys that they've brought in. So realistically, they've only lost some origin, two Origin players and really replaced them with nobody. Um, I think they're going to struggle a little bit more. But the first gun that everybody thinks of when you're talking about the Melbourne Storm is obviously Cam Smith. And Cam is still an option, but he's obviously fallen behind Cook. 595000 one of the cheaper prices that he's been at to start the year. And that's because... He had his worst average that he's had in a long time. So, 64 points a game in 2018. That was a drop from 75 in 17, 78 the year before, and 69 points in 2015. So, pretty marked drop. Uh, I don't want to give my, myself a plunk here, but I called it last preseason Billy. Billy. I said he's going to be a, a mid, uh, mid to low 60s average, and he's going to really come back down to earth. I'm not going to start with him. Worked out perfectly. Of course, I said the same thing the year before, BK. Ended up with egg on my face, so <laughs> one of the two years I got it right. Um, but Cam Smith's an odd one; he, he's still reasonably owned, but obviously more people are going towards Cook. He's right, right in that bracket of the second tier hookers now, where you've got you know Cam Smith, Maka, and and Hodgson. Really, um, can you see Cam Smith getting back to his glory days, or do you see him, you know, clear second hooker where you go him over the other ones?
0: I can't in getting back to his glory days. The only way that he might is if... OK, so you see, this year, uh, yeah, even though he didn't play Origin, he still didn't get a pre-season once again coming off a World Cup year. So I guess the only thing is if his body, you know, gets to recharge and, and go again this year. But, you know, he still scored 60 or over, you know, nearly 60% of the time and had three tons, cracked the tons three times. I just don't think, um, as you said before, I don't think there's going to be as many points as usual for him, just because I don't think the Storm are going to score as many points as you. But, uh, yeah, I've still got him in there at the moment to start with him because I just think 500, 600K, a goal-kicking hooker, um, yeah, it's pretty reliable. But I I think uh, Smith is an absolute standout and, and, and well ahead of him and will be from here on in to the end of his career. Yeah, I mean the goal
1: kicking is a good point to take into account. A goal kicking hooker is a is a really valuable one. Um, I mean, I was looking whether Isaac Luke was going to be healthy purely because of his goal kicking and as him being a bit of a smoky option. And I'll talk about him a bit more with Billy when we do the Warriors. But yeah, the goal kicking is great. Um, if I do what I did with some of the other guys uh, and look at how Cam Smith finished the year, it was very un un Cam Smith like. So I mean, he's got. To finish off last season, 48 points, 43 points, 55, 52, 37, 69, and 53. So, I mean, he's only cracked the 60-point mark once there, and he's gotten two, two 40s, you know. That's, it's fine for one or two games, but to do it for the amount of games that Cam Smith did in a row, uh, I think it really showed, you know, where his future's going to be as far as his super Coach scoring, and it's not going to be up.
0: Yeah, look... It's it's one of those things, as we said before, when we talked about old um, uh, friendy, what is 100k cheaper, it's something that you look at over those first couple of rounds, and I think that's something that I know I personally need to get a little bit better at when one of my guns of the past or someone that's done the job in the past, you know, starting to nose dive a bit, I, I always hang on too long, and I think that's just maybe something to you know, that that owners that do start with him need to take into account if after, say, the first, say, six, seven, eight rounds, he's not producing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's good advice. I think you need to move on from Smith pretty quick if he's done badly. But in saying that, I've been pretty hard on him, VK. But I couldn't be, if you're not going with Cook, I couldn't really begrudge anybody for starting with Smith. I think he is a decent option if you're not going with Cook. Um, and the goalkeeping's there. So I'm sure that he was still average 60s, so... You probably do okay, but this next gun, I'm not as confident in starting with at all, um, and that's Cam Munster. He's probably the only other gun left in the Melbourne Storm side, which we haven't been able to say for a number of years. But five hundred and forty-eight thousand for Cam Munster. He's a fullback, five-eight. Again, that crowded spot. Um, he averaged fifty-nine points a game last year. That wasn't bad, but. He was nowhere near his previous seasons where he did 67, 69, and 62 averages three years prior. Uh, just on the eye test, I really didn't think that he was the best five-eight. I didn't think it came too natural to him. And I really also thought that he would have benefited immensely from having an experienced half that could organise a team for him. He's not going to have that again, really, um, this coming season and I just don't think that he takes on the playmaking stuff too well. I'm pretty down on him. If he was fullback, I'd really be trying to fit him in my side, but at 5'8", I think he's almost a mistake to put him in your side at 550k.
0: I can't agree with you more. Um, at, if he was at fullback, you look, even in, when he played that first game at fullback last year, and got 101 there, He just it, it's definitely a position that's definitely more suited for him. I guess the only pros going there is that he is the chief playmaker, so most things will be going through him. What they're talking about, either giving Croft or um, Matty Johns' son a, a crack in the halves there. Yeah, uh, I think that's the latest thing I heard there. But he just—he he doesn't have the consistency as a half at the moment. He only got over sixty in nine of his twenty games at five eight where he averaged 56. So you'd be more likely... You'd have a crack at milk. you think there's a lot more improvement there. But also, that being said, he is a bit streaky at times because between rounds 8 and 15, which is when you'd least inspect it through origin, when um, he uh, you, you got a seven-game average of 75 when the Fox was just scoring trials for fun. So it's just the lack of consistency for me and just the lack of also
1: of another solid half on the other side, like you said. Yeah, and I mean, he had some absolutely shocking games last year. Like, out of his last four games, two of them were scores of 23 and 34. And that's not like they were one-offs. I mean, he had a score of 14 in there, a score of 21, a score of 25. And he's got those brain snaps and penalties in him as well, which we saw in the grand final too. Um, I just... I can't be off him enough, to be honest. Um, He... He really has the potential to really hurt you to start the season. And like you said, there's just so much upside with the other guys in 5'8 and uh, fullback. I just don't think you can touch him. So let's move on. Um, we're agreeing far too much. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, mate. We'll either both go really well <laughs> or, or we'll both stick it up. But <laughs> um, it's
0: always good to just point out both guys like we are. We're putting out the pros and cons and then people can make their own decisions.
1: Yep, exactly. So, Joey Stimson headlines our marvellous mids for the Storm. Um, there's two mids that we're going to talk about, but Stimson's the first guy. He averaged 53 minutes a game last year, and he's only priced at 353 k So, he ticks the, the mid-price mid bracket, and he is quite cheap. Hoffman's obviously moved on as well. Um, starting back row are potentially 80 minutes. That all sounds great. I'm really on the fence about Joey Stimson, though, because second row forward is a um, stacked position with so many good options. And even though, you know, he's got the minutes upside to get more, his PPM was only 0.72 last year, which means he only scored a pretty putrid 38 points a game. So, I mean, if he's not getting 80, but he still increases his minutes, even if he goes up, you know, 10 minutes a game... He might only get to forty-five points a game average, and that's just really going to annoy me. So I'm really on the fence, mate. I think I need you to either help me get on one side or or the other, as far as keeping my side
0: or or punting. Mate, I've got nothing for you. I couldn't be. I was hoping this was where we were going to disagree. I thought you were going to say you're all over him. Only had that eight-game average of sort of of, of fifty there. The only thing going. Why I think I've got, I've got him in is that if he does, I think I worked out his PPM multiplied by 80 minutes if he locked that down and then thinking, OK, I'll just get him in until he makes the cash, and hope he maybe pulls over for one. The benefit is, he, I guess, he'll be playing on the left, which is Munster's side, um, who you'd imagine would be getting most of the, you know, the ball close to the line where he might hit a hole. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced on him either be honest with you.
1: Yeah and I guess again talking a little bit of strategy a little bit as well when you're picking these guys for me one of the things I always look at um, it's a lot easier to make a mistake on a rookie or a close to rookie price guy than it is on a mid because if you're spending 168 to say 230k on a guy it's really minimal damage to you. You can can pretty easily bench him. You've put additional money elsewhere to be able to have a deeper squad. And you can very easily just either not play them or just punt them and just give up straight away. You're also not going to lose much money if you just leave them. You know, if a rookie's got crap, they're not going to lose anything. Um, whereas with a Joey Stimson, you know, you're outlaying 353k in a round one cap, which isn't very big. So you're probably losing out somewhere else with your team to put him in to make the same type of, I guess, cash that you might make from a rookie. And then on top of that, you're going to probably have to be playing him. And if he's stinking it up with, you know, late 30s and, or, or even mid 40s isn't going to be great, then it's going to hurt you in the points too. So I just think it's a lot harder to recover from.
0: Yeah, I guess um, you've, you've got to, um, it'll, it'll vary from coach to coach, but you've got to think about what is enough value increase minimum to warrant the trade. So I threw out that stat before of an eight-game average of 50. So that was in his uh, 80-minute games. Yep. So, you know, there's an improvement from an average of 37. If he can hold that, he only got one try for the year. As I said, there's there's well over 100K there that can be made. So I don't think it's not, you know, sometimes you, you can't always have the flashy players in there. Sometimes you've just got to sort of, get in there and just get the guys that are going to make you money. And then you never know. You just could have... Remember when um, was it Kalfusi just a couple of years ago was just, uh, you know, humming along, humming along, and then just went on that run yep. where, he fell, where, he, where he went through and then all of a sudden you've you made the cash and then you're moving on. So it's just such a strange game um, where you can be thinking, you know, just making, in you know, it to make a little bit of money. And then, uh, you know, when these second rowers, once they get their opportunity and, you know, they, they find a few tries with a line break in there, then all of a sudden you're making huge dollars on them.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think my advice on him to finish up on him is going to be, if we can see him playing for 80 minutes, I think he's definitely getting in his side. Um, but if he's not playing 80, if he's like a 60-minute guy or, or less, then you, you just can't put him in. Just don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, look, only an option if he plays 80, that's for sure.
1: All right, so our other mid-price guy to quickly touch on is Dale Finucan. Uh He's only 432000 Uh and he had his worst year in a few, which is why there's potentially value there. He only averaged 54 minutes a game last year and only played 15 games, so it was a little bit injury-interrupted. In his prior years, you know, he averaged exactly 62 minutes each year of 17 and 2016, um, so he played eight minutes below that. There's probably opportunity with some players moving on for him to get back up to 60s. His score for 2018 was 46 point per game average. And again, he averaged 55, 58, 50 the three years prior. So there's definitely upside of potentially even as much as 12 points um, depending on how his minutes go. So I can definitely see the appeal. VK for me, I've just never really been much of a fanning super Supercoach. And I touched on this with Billy last week. It's not that, um, you know, you, you can't make the money or, or he's not going to be a decent option. It's just, he's not, he's very much a meat and potatoes plotter in the sort of Aiden Tone type of realm. And I do like to have the more exciting players that have a little bit more upside and can get me that cashier quicker. So, he's not exciting, but I mean, do you see Finucane as a as a top buy in that mid-range price bracket? Well, once
0: again, i put Finucane in that, um, um, in that group of players that's, I see as the stepping stone. Uh, 432. It's a nice base. Um, there's around about. If he, if he returns back to the 62 minutes he played in 16 and 17, which you'd imagine he would, and only reason he didn't was because of all the injuries. Yep. Then all of a sudden you've got somewhere around 500k that you can upgrade with. Um, he, you don't get much more meat and potatoes than Dale Finucane. But you know, as we talked about earlier, not not all of our guys can. Uh, can can get over and, and score. Sometimes you just uh, you just got to bite the bullet for a little bit. And I, I love using a stepping stone, a guy like this, that um, or Tolman because you're getting such good value. But they all sort of rely on them getting the minutes. Say so for Tolman, sorry, that he, that he finished the season on, and you know Fanu can get in the minutes that he he's got in the previous two years. So. Um, I, I, I don't mind these guys, but as stepping as stones, you know, as a means to someone bigger.
1: What do you think his minutes are going to look like? Do you think that he's going to go back to sort of sixty-two minutes, or do you think that he's going to be more like he did in twenty eighteen? All
0: right. Can you see any reason why it wouldn't go back to sixty-two minutes if that's what he averaged in sixteen and seventeen?
1: No, and especially with Glasby gone. I mean, I really can't see any reason why he doesn't. Um, to be honest, so. I think that's where his upside is. What I would suggest before we move on is, if you are going to have Fanukan, his value is as a prop forward. He's a front row, second row dual, which is handy to have to switch around. But I would be starting him in, in that barren wasteland of front row forward, and you could potentially even have him as your number one front row forward if you want to go cheap there. I would probably go Tpj and Fanukan as my starting props, so and try and make money that way. Yep, yeah,
0: definitely. And honestly, what you mentioned before with Glasby, like, I'll check out the pre-season minutes that what he's getting, because he's are uh, mm. he's another what 50, 70 grand cheaper almost. So that that could be another option there. That's just that big they're going to make you more money.
1: Yep, agreed. So some cheapies and big balls pods potentially. Um, at the moment, there seems to be a bit of a debate at the Melbourne Storm of drink water or Hughes. Um, I actually thought myself that it was going to be huge just because of how well he's played in the past. And he's kind of stuck around on the provision that once Billy moved on, he could sort of end up in that fullback jersey and start his career off really as a starting first grader, which he's been waiting to do. But the latest mail is that Drinkwater might be in front. I don't know whether that's going to be... Pre-season hyperbole, or whether it really is, you know, drink water maybe starting there. Have you got an indication who you
0: reckon might might be the number one for them? Yeah, sorry mate, I got I got absolutely nothing for you with the Melbourne Storm. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just know uh, at two hundred and fifty grand cheaper, drink water would, would be uh, a pretty easy decision to make should he get the gig. But either way, when they when they're having this battle, Bellamy might give him say. You'd think two or three games, um, but uh, there, there's just always that worry that um, you know, he might play a few games and then Hughes comes in, and then you know, I guess you, you, you miss out. But at, at 220k, if he got the start, you'd have to put him in, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I think drink water would be just about a must have, and you'll have to move your team around. Um, what I would suggest is if you got Congo in your fullback spot, you're putting you put him in at 5-8, um, and if you've got Teddy and Turbo. I would actually bite the bullet and get rid of turbo, put through quarter in, and use that money to put Cogger in at the 5-8. So I think that's how I would probably play it.
0: Oh, sorry, mate. I just saw that he's full back there. So, yeah, right. So, uh, To me, well, that's only really an option. Um... Only for people that aren't going the Teddy Turbo thing. I think if you're going to invest the money on Teddy Turbo, I think, yeah, I think you're staying with that. Yeah, stick six but strong. Least all the way up to Origin. Yeah, it's six strong. I thought uh, Drinkwater had dual for some reason.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one because if he ends up staying a fullback for the Storm, he's going to make a hell of a lot of cash. But, I mean, I guess you take the point as well that Hughes might come in and take it off him as well.
0: Um, yeah, I don't think I'd tear much. I'd, I'd, I'd tear that combination up uh, just to, to put drink water in, unless you know, unless he he, he scores 80s for his first couple, and it's just going to be and one of either Teddy or Turbo have an absolute stinker, and it's it's, it's worth a trade. um,
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, the other guy that I'll just touch on briefly as a pod for them, um, he's going to sound like a bit of a bizarre one, but he is a pod. I'm not suggesting with any of these hand grenade pods that you definitely throw them in, but they're just worth doing a bit of a dive on. Um, Brodie Croft was obviously meant to be a revelation when me and Billy did the pre-season podcast for the Melbourne Storm before the 2018 season. Guys were talking about Brady Croft like he was going to average 75 points. And I remember talking to so many people saying, hang on here, pull the reins up. You know, he's not Jonathan Thurston. He's a, the rookie half that hasn't played a year of first grade yet. Everyone thought that he was going to go crazy because in 2017, he actually averaged 77 points, albeit only across four games, so small sample size. Um, me and Billy actually were on board a little bit. We thought he would average in the, in the 60s and he'd be a decent option. Um, turned out that he only averaged 45 points across nine games, got dropped, and, and pretty largely didn't play much of the year for the Storm. Um, he's projected to be the starting half for them this year. He's 424000 um so he's not cheap, but he's not that expensive. We've seen this before with the Cars VK, where sometimes it takes them a year removed from sort of their rookie season to actually hit form. If he does hit form, he does have the potential to get um, sort of 60-plus for sure, in which case he's got to be 15 below. Is there any chance that he is a sneaky hand grenade pod to throw in as your halfback, or do you just think that's too crazy?
0: Oh, sorry, that's just a little bit too loose for me. Um, <laughs> especially, especially with the new, as I mentioned a little bit before, and I'm right, I know that they threw in the paper today that they, there could be a chance that uh, that Matt Johns' son could be playing in there, so... I guess if he, he he could may well get the jump over him, but um, yeah, I just think there's other options there for 425k. It's uh, I think it's a bit of a mistake.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I like to have a look at them because um, they are guys that, that have the potential to go well. But he's probably the classic pod that I'd say if you if you wanted to have a pod you if you want that sort of pod in your team, you wait a month and if they're killing it, and you can
0: make that decision, but not for round yeah. one. And they're probably even looking at their. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. I was just saying, even look at their start, it's not like it's the most favourable one. I think they've got the Bronx, Raiders, Panthers, and Bulldogs. So it's, um, it, it's not the easiest of starts where he might get a jump and make some easy money. Yeah,
1: that's true. And that leads us into our, our last tier of guys to talk about with the Storm. That's, that's the mistakes. Um, the, the errors that you might be picking for round one and I haven't actually put one player down for this VK. I've actually put their whole back line. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty big limb I'm going out on, but I reckon picking any of their back line at the moment for round one is gonna be a, a pretty big error, um, because they've got really volatile guys there. Like Vunavalou, Josh Adokar, Curtis Scott was the flavour of the month last pre season for whatever reason, I don't know, because I was so off Curtis Scott, and Will Chambers um, has been pretty poor as well, so that back line just looks like it stinks to me, and a lot of them are overpriced and really volatile, and that run isn't great, like you said.
0: Yeah, look, especially on the right-hand side, I just, um, you, you really saw this year, sorry, last year exactly what Cronk did for that side, especially for Burnivalu, went from scoring, you know, being the the, the leading try scorer it just didn't do much from Super coach, you know, or NRL perspective. And Chambers, Chambers has definitely gone downhill as well. So, yeah, I sort of agree with you on, on all of those guys. especially when you're probably going to, with the host of cheapies that are, you know, that are rumored to be coming from other teams here, I don't think you're going to give that Storm backline um, much consideration at all.
1: No, nah, I agree, and I, I've got to tell you though, um, have you seen many teams with the fox? Because I've seen quite a few popping up at the fox in their
0: side. The fox? Look, keep going. I'll check his. I'll check his, uh, I'll check his uh, ownership. Yeah, I think, yeah. Am I just... the fox is one very very streaky, but uh, yeah, I shan't be having the the fox.
1: Nah, he was. T- look, he for all the good stuff he did last year, he did some terrible stuff, and I remember talking to so many people last year and saying it on so many podcasts that we did yeah whenever they brought up oh he's he's got three tons in a row and i'd always be like yeah but he's also got a three round average of 16 points that he threw there where the average you know 15 16 17 points across three weeks it's just horrid and you know if he if he's on one of those runs which you, you can't really tell it's just a terrible month or two that you've got in for so I just don't think you can go anywhere near him. Um, I'm surprised anyone's paying yeah, high 400s for him. Um, it just seems really bad for me. Um, but I'll will we'll finish off VK just by mentioning a name because Wilfred actually disagreed with me a little bit on the whole backline mistake thing because he is a bit of a Will Chambers fan. Um, there's five people in Will Chambers fan club and Wilfred's one of them. So we better talk about him briefly. <laughs> Will Chambers, Wilfred pointed out to me, it was carrying injury last year and stuff, and he only played 17 games, uh, had suspensions as well, and he only averaged 40 points. But uh, Wilfred did actually point out that 2017 he averaged 55, and 2016 he was at 47, and 2015 he was 56. So across the three years before last year, he did sort of average around 52 uh, or 53 points a game, which is 12 or 13 points below where he's priced at, so... I mean if anyone's gonna have any value in that back line, maybe at three hundred and
0: seventy eight K, maybe it's Will changes? Um oh, look, I don't know. They they talk about uh they talk about Aiken not being the same player since Luttrell uh him up last year. I think uh Chambers is struggling a bit as well with uh what Latrell's done to him uh, over last season. So I think just what what he's thirty now, so I can't really see him coming back too much, and just looking at his scores from last year, um, what I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven scores of 30 in the 30s in a row. So, um, and and playing on the right, the 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 right attack as I talked about before. I just think while they got a young half in there, um, I, I can't see that right side attack getting too many points at all.
1: Yeah. No, fair call. I think we could finish up on the Melbourne Storm there. I don't, um, I don't like too many of their options very much, and I think they're going to have a pretty down year. I, I think that I've only got one Melbourne Storm player in my side at the moment for around one, so that's about how much I value him. VK, who have you got in there, Simpson? Yeah, I've got Simpson at the moment, but only really because I just I, the last couple of days I just flipped my side around a little bit and, and put him in there to see what it would look like. Um, I actually think I'm going to revert and put him out of it. Right, yeah. All right, well, that wraps us up for uh, an extra-long marathon pod, which uh, everyone enjoys in the pre-season. Thanks for sticking around and jumping on, VK. It was great for your uh, podcast debut with us. No problem. Thanks
0: uh, thanks for having me, and I uh, hope it was helpful to all the listeners. I'm sure it would have been
1: great, mate. Thanks very much. All right, guys, so um, you can download us on iTunes or also stream or download us on SoundCloud. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Uh, And hopefully everyone's gotten a kick out of the podcast so far for the preseason. We'll be back again next Friday with the final five teams that we need to review. And we'll go through those ones leading into the um, trials and also TLT. So all the best for the next week putting together your teams. And thanks for listening.